Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Don't lie right here on 1049 The Horn. It is a smooth soul Monday edition of All Don't Lie. That's when Patrick the Idillionaire takes jams intended to soothe the tortured soul of sports fans out there who may have had a tough weekend. Um, no tough weekends for Texas uh, baseball fans because uh, they got a great uh, bit of news earlier today when they learned that Troy Tulowitzki will be returning to the Texas baseball program and also did get clarity on Coach Pierce's hiring of a new pitching coach. He didn't hire a new pitching coach. He just promoted himself to pitching coach. <laughs> yeah. That's what he decided to do. So we'll get into that story here. Also, we'll get into Texas be- Texas basketball it, getting a, another commitment uh, in the 2023 class. Originally, they thought it would be a member of that 2024 recruiting class. Turns out it's going to be a member of the 2023 class. So we'll get into that. And also, we'll talk some Texas football as well. As They're they re- get another recruit. They get a recommitment they from um, um, Aaron, Aaron Hampton. Aaron Hampton, yep. the, he's an athlete, basically, yep. right? Um, yeah, so we can talk. So we'll talk some Texas football as well, and uh, lots of reports about the offseason going well for Xavier Worthy um, and him looking better than ever. And Texas ranked in the Phil Steele preseason poll. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about where Texas football is ranked there as well. So we got some nuggets to get to. We'll also talk Texas football and Rod's rant of the day. Uh, so if you don't get your football fix in the top of the five o'clock here, we'll get it to you. In Raj rant of the day. Spec text line 512 337 3776. You can hit me up. Uh, I'm at Rod Davis in the Twitterverse, Harge at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse, Patrick Davis, the real MVP at It's Patrick Davis. Uh, top of the six o'clock, we'll get back to the Wimby debut and talk about uh, Wimby's debut and uh, Pop signing a five year deal to be the Spurs head coach uh, for the next five years. He's 74 years old. So we'll get to that coming up in the top of six o'clock. All right. Let's get to Texas baseball here, Harge, because I'll give you all the credit because you said it and you tweeted it out so people would know. Everybody would see it about uh, about two weeks ago, almost two weeks ago. You tweeted out after we learned that Texas was parting ways with their pitching coach, Woody Williams. um, You tweeted out this, quote, I wouldn't be surprised if Troy Tulowitzki is back. You actually quote tweeted the Kendall Rogers story and said, I wouldn't be surprised if Troy Tulowitzki is back with the horns in some capacity. The players and fans loved him. Still a, and he quote here, free agent. Yeah. Hashtag hook him. Will Harge? He was out there. You spoke it into existence. It happened. I, I mean, you might have some sources that told you, or maybe you just uh, great minds think alike. Uh, what are your thoughts about Troy Tulowitzki coming back, and what is it going to do in the role that he is in now as the director of player development 
Like, I, what kind of impact is he going to have? I think he's going to be a huge impact mm-hmm. because of the fact of you can go and talk to someone mm-hmm. that has gold gloves, that's been in the league for a long time, that's been around the program already. Mm-hmm. A lot of these players probably were wanting to come to the University of Texas because he was here, and then when he ends up leaving – they're like, oh, man, I'm not going to get to work with Troy because of the knowledge. It's more about the conversations. You heard Marcus Timms talk mm-hmm. about it a little while ago, talking about how myself and Tyrone got a chance to – Tyrone Horn got a chance to sit him down a lot of times about things that he was going to face because we were older players. So we had already gone through that, and he was a guy that was on the rise that was seen as a prospect. So we had been around a lot of prospects. I was a prospect at one point. Mm -hmm. So we've all walked through some of those things that he was getting ready to have the opportunity to be a part of. So we were trying to look out for him just because he was such a great guy. And that is some of the things that I think that Troy Tulawiski is going to be able to buffer for the players because Coach Pierce – he may be a little rough sometimes to the players. He don't. He may not good have that cop, same. Bad cop yeah, they have that cop, connection cop, right yeah. there. And not to take anything away from my boy Steve Rodriguez, uh, he's he's probably doing the same thing, and he's probably glad that Tulo is there too because now he can move in a different direction and mm-hmm. do some different things because you have leadership guys that are going to be there. He's in, you know, he's in the off the field capacity, and sometimes I would much rather go and talk to Tulo as opposed to having to talk to Coach Pierce, and vice versa, because the messaging can go from mm-hmm. one person to the other and still get the results that you need on the field. Uh, no, that's a great point, too. And just, a, just even if it's the same message, a different way to communicate that Absolutely. message also matters. Troy Tulewiski, as the player director of player development, is that basically a way to say he can put his, his insight and opinions almost into any part of this roster construction or the blueprint of the team? Absolutely, and I think a lot of that has to do, too, with the respect that they have for each other. There's no way you leave and come back if there's not some mutual respect And and I like that, too. That's a great point about the respect, but I also like that Troy Tulowitzki was attracted you know, to the culture of Texas that even what he saw initially here when he was here the first time, that it was not something that transpired that turned him off. Yep. Texas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Texas was still a very attractive location for him. Absolutely. And this is a guy that we know got options. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, no, I want to be a Texas. That makes me feel a lot better, too, about mm-hmm. what's what's happening behind the scenes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a lot of uh, potential that is still there. There are some things that, you know, even though you were a misplayed fly ball, bad lighting fly ball away from possibly oh, going to the College mm-hmm. World Series mm-hmm. again, that's my other question is, would he have made a change? Because he did it the year before. He made a change after you get to Omaha. Uh, if they get to Omaha, is Woody Williams still the coach? Is David Pierce still believing that he's going to be a better pitching coach? I mean, there's so many questions that are going to be answered. And I see some people, you know, they're all trying to figure some things out. But in 20, 2006 to 2011, mm-hmm. he had 27 pitchers drafted over that time. In the at major Rice? League, at Rice. Yeah. When he was at Rice. Yeah. So within the first two rounds. I mean, first ten rounds. So – there's there's something to say about, hey, maybe he does know quite a bit about pitching, but a lot of that, too, it's like <laughs> I used to teach this kid. He was an unbelievable baseball player, unbelievable athlete, and everybody's mm-hmm. like, Mike, you got him right. No, the dude was talented. Yeah, I just fine-tuned some things. Yeah. There's, there, I mean, there's some guys that are out there that are talented that just need some fine-tuning, and maybe that's where some of the um, – Information gets kind of lost. Yeah, no, I mean, that's obviously uh, been some controversial moves for Coach Pierce because he 
now has decided that he will take on the pitching coach duties. He will have an assistant pitching coach pretty much. Uh, that would be Chris Gordon, who uh, Harge talked about earlier, who obviously help him in that role because yep. he is the manager, so he's got a lot going on. But it will be his third change mm-hmm. at pitching coach in three years. And uh, it'll be what is, I guess you technically consider him to be a pitching coach. It'll be his fourth yep. pitching coach mm-hmm. since he's been there at Texas. He's been on the job for seven years. And as a lot of people have brought up, and you brought it up too, it's not like the pitching has regressed, uh, you know, a ton. It's not, it hasn't, hasn't regressed and fallen off a cliff. Actually, you've had some of your, you know, top pitching uh, statistical performances uh, annually. Within that, those seven years where he's changing pitching coaches in 2021, you were at the lowest ERA in the country. It was 10th, I believe, in 2022-23. Um, and that 21-22 season and 22-23, you were 10th during that season. And those are two different pitching coaches. And Texas still had one of the best uh, pitching staff statistically in the country. Yep. So he's obviously disagreeing with something other than just flat-out productivity. Um, and we obviously are not privy to whatever's going on behind the scenes. Right. I do think at this point he's changed kit, p- pitching coaches so many times, and maybe it's because he's a pitching coach, as you brought up, mm-hmm. by trade, so he's going to have a more critical eye of that facet of the game. Just like when I watch football, when I look at D, I'm, I'm looking at DBs with a right. more critical eye than I am of probably the line play. I because look at I, shortstops and quarterbacks the yeah, same way. I'm like the same. I'm like, I'm, mm. yeah, because I'm I'm a DB, so I'm looking yeah. at DB and I'm being very critical there. So I think that's that's a big part of it too. But you know, at, at this point, maybe he truly believes that he's the he's the best person for the job. No doubt that he's been so critical of these good because he's brought in good pitching coaches yes all right woody williams and sean allen good pitching coaches and maybe he figures now listen i've been critical of good coaches yeah so maybe instead of bringing somebody in another good coach so i can be really critical of them and they can do a good job why not just do the damn job myself it right. reminds me of that scene from the office when they're trying to find dwight Schrute's assistant to the assistant you know dwight this whole search for the assistant the search for the thing none of these people are good enough i know what I'm about to say makes no logical sense, and yet it might be the most logical thing I've ever said. Jim, this is going to come as no surprise, but I know exactly what you were going to say. The only possible assistant to my assistant is me. <laughs> That's Coach Peters at this time. Me. <laughs> He's just like, it's me. And everybody's like, okay, I guess. Yeah. There you go. So, I, Harge, I actually... I think at this point in Coach Pierce's tenure, and he's been on, like I said, on the job for seven years, and we've seen success, right? Third Big mm-hmm. 12 title, uh, reached a fourth Super Regional. He's trying to, he's at where the Cowboys are, in a right. sense. You got to get past the division around. For sure. Like, Cowboys fans don't even give a damn about the regular season record no more. They don't really care about the excuses, you know, in terms of the roster, construction, all that. All they care about is, did we get past the division around this year? That's the only conversation That's That's right. that Cowboys fans are trying to have. Yeah. And I think Texas baseball fans are, are similarly at a certain point where they're like, did we did we get did we get to the World Series? Did we, did we get do, to the championship game? Are we are we playing for a championship? Are we playing for a championship? We're not okay. We're, okay. Yeah, not. Then what are we doing? Because that's yeah. right now, and I'm not Cowboys fans. You don't need to have this standard. No. But <laughs> Texas baseball fans do have a really high standard. Probably of all the sports on the Fort Acres, other than swimming and diving, they probably have the highest standard of any of those sports. That's and, fair. And Besides I, track and field, track and field is getting track there too. Track and field could be in there too, yeah, but swimming and diving, and is golf, all, swimming down, yeah, is swimming and diving is you in there. Nobody's place. been touching now. Yeah. Mount Olympus right now, and everybody else is like you know trying to work their way up there. Yeah. But I, I just think at this point because that standard is so high, 
Um, he's he's thinking I have to pull out every possible stop to get this program to the next level, which is winning a championship. Because Texas baseball fans, they don't understand any other type of love language. Mm-hmm. They don't. They, that, they, that's, the, that's the only language that we know. That's the only language that Texas baseball fans. I, mean, know. I was like, we got to win a title because we had Augie. All right. And then before that, yeah, Cliff Gustafson. Gus, I say you went yeah. from legend to legend. Yep. You went from goat to goat, yep. and then Coach Pierce is damn good. And you're like, well, we went from goat to goat, so going to damn good ain't enough. That ain't that ain't enough. Sometimes ain't even great. Going from goat to goat to great ain't enough. Like can't go go. So he, they need him to win a title. It's, un- yes. it's unfortunate, but that's part of being a prisoner of your own excellence. That's when you're here. That's what's expected for that's, you, especially yeah. in these types of sports. Well, and after being there for for a while now. Yep. How long is he? Yep. What seven years? Seven right? years. And he's one hell of a run, though, in seven years. He's, he's been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's like one I said, long run, run baseball fans don't want to hear that. They All don't they want to hear is how the run went. Oh, we exactly <laughs> like, did we play for a championship? No, it's like, then we don't yeah. want to ha- talk. And I agree, that's unreasonable. Yeah. It's unreasonable. It's irrational. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about fanatical people. That's why they're fans. Yep. That's why fanatic. <laughs> they, and all they want to do is talk about championships. Yep. And I'm that, with you that's on that. why he brought. That's why he brought back Troy Tulowitzki because he knows. Because he knows what it's all about. He's like, about. nah, we gotta, we we gotta up our, we gotta up our ante. So I'm not, I'm, I'm fine. But for Coach Pierce, it's more pressure on him mm-hmm. because now you don't have the buffer. Usually you got a buffer like, well, that guy ain't getting his job done. I'll correct that guy, mm-hmm. and then we'll figure it out. But now it's at, it lays at your feet. It's gonna lie right at your door. Yeah, and, well, and, and there's nobody else you can point at. That's it. No. It'll, this exactly. is it. This is you. It's, you. it's like when the head coach starts calling the plays, you're like, all right. It's all well, that you. that offense and that defense stank it yeah. up, then that's you. Yeah. We know who the reason is. Yeah. It's you. It's, it's nothing. Lost in communication. That was a bad game plan, and my guy didn't adjust, and we miscommunicated here. No, no, no. Yeah. You. You're the guy calling all the shots. Buck stops with you, and you decided this, and that was the wrong decision. So no I, doubt. The pressure is on for Coach Pierce. I think he's up to the challenge. And I think he knows that right away. This is what it's all about. So here, if we're going to go, we're going just like this. Yeah. And I, I ain't mad at him. Go ahead and do your thing. I just look at uh, what the moves are and the fact that some of these players that were expected to get drafted, a lot of them haven't gotten drafted yet. Some of the recruits that were coming to the University of Texas, they didn't get drafted as high as some of them might have thought they were going to. So this is going to – to be one of those situations where it's like, okay, Texas may make out really well in the recruiting class and the returning players. Tanner Witt hadn't got drafted. Lucas Gordon hadn't got drafted yet. Oh, yo, no, Lucas, Lucas Gordon, Gordon did, did get drafted. 179th overall yeah. to the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. We should throw that out there. But Congrats. Tanner Witt has not. And not that yet. was a name that everybody okay. was looking at. And some of the recruits that they were looking at. Dylan Campbell not, did go 136th overall. We should say that to the Dodgers Yeah, as well. and Travis Sikora, who was the highly touted recruit out of Round Rock, the top-notch pitcher, he got drafted in the third round by okay. the Nationals. So with nice. those three, those are the names that they were attached we were to talking Texas, to. the program, yeah. and they got drafted. They got drafted. Okay. Then you got Tanner Witt, not drafted. LeBaron Johnson, not drafted yet. And Will Gasparro. Got, oh, excuse me, Gasparino said that he is coming to the University of Texas because he has not been drafted yet. Okay. So uh, there's going to be that, there's another part of this. Yeah. You're getting some guys here, and and you're going to have some help. So now what are you going to do once the help gets here? And so. uh, just real quick, going back to uh, Dylan Campbell, he will have a time. What? How long to make his decision? Until school starts. Until school starts. Yep. Okay. So yep. he's got a little while to make his decision. Uh, for those who want to know, Dylan Campbell drafted 136th overall to the Dodgers. The slot value for that pick, according to Aaron Little of Orange Bloods, is 473,000. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, four, 473-700, actually. And then uh, Lucas Gordon is at 179th slot to the Chicago White Sox. That slot value, 317400 It's a nice chunk of L- change. Little chunk of change. Congrats there. to those guys, man. I, that's, a, that's a hell of a moment. You, this, hey, man, you drafted yeah. seven, second round, 48th? 48th overall. 48th overall, yeah. man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay, it's wait. a totally different time, though. That is true. It's a, long, it's a big, totally yeah. different time. There's so much more that is is happened within those moments. Um, that's why it's so it's so intriguing to me now watching these guys and and now the the chance you get to go to Seattle to be a part of the draft. You that saw the cool. guys that were yeah, there. That's one cool. Of, one of my homeboys. We were at a, a basketball camp because both of our kids were at this basketball camp in California. I met him. He's an agent. I saw him last night. I sent him a picture. I said, you doing all right, bro? Got you, got you some money <laughs> in the room. Seat, yeah, huh? money in the room. He was like, yeah, my player just went, and, you know, that's what it's all about. So mm. it's, 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 it's fun to watch this, especially now when you look at it. Let's go back. And Danny Davis, uh, shout out to Danny Davis, who's the Austin American Statesman. He posted this. Recent UT pitchers drafted in the first six rounds. You look at Morgan Morgan Cooper. He was drafted in the second round in 2017. Nick Kennedy in the fifth round in 2017. And Kyle Johnston in 2017 was drafted in the sixth round. Bryce Elder, fifth round to the Braves. We've already seen him in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. He's already doing his thing and made the all-star game. Yeah, he did. Made the all-star game. Drafted in 2020 in the fifth round. Ty Madden, first rounder out uh, in Detroit in 2021. Pete Hansen in the third round by the Cardinals last year. And now Lucas Gordon in the sixth round. So Texas is still producing those top-line pitchers that are going to mm. have an opportunity to pitch at the next level. But just think about it. There may be some more guys that are going to be coming through here that's going to have those opportunities as well. The development part of it is something that is very, very important. Oh, yeah. LeBaron Johnson mm. was the one. I thought for sure he would have been off the board already. I thought for sure because, to me, he had the most upside on the pitching staff. Because he's still learning how to throw strikes. Yeah. And if you can control that with that splitter and that sl- that changeup, I mean, that slider that he's throwing, and then you top that with that fastball, mm. my man's got a Grown chance. Yeah, stuff, he's yeah. got a chance to do some major stuff. That's why I'm shocked that he hadn't been taken off the board yet. Um, you brought up uh, Danny Davis had a great stat. Here's another one for you at underscore Danny Davis. He's doing a really good job uh, following Texas baseball, putting out some nuggets. Said Texas pitching faced four first-round bats. In 2023, mm-hmm. Cruz, Troy, Bradfield, and Taylor, they went 5-31 with seven walks, four runs scored, and two RBIs against the Longhorns. Yeah. Pretty damn good. That's pretty damn good. That's not bad, man. You're going yeah. up against high-end talent like that. No doubt. So, uh, Texas baseball, getting some good news. Go ahead. Uh, Shout-out to Ivan Melendez as well. He just got promoted to double-A. He's been wrecking hey. A-ball. Now he's been promoted to double-A, and he's going to Amarillo, Texas. So if you want to go up there and watch him, he's going and play for the Amarillo Side Poodles. Uh, <laughs> the side, hold up. A side poodle? It's like a prairie dog. You know what a prairie uh, dog is? Yeah. I know what a prairie dog yeah, is. Yeah, that's what, that's what a side poodle that's is. That's what a side poodle is. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. I've never heard of it. I've got a hat too. I wear it I wear it up here tomorrow. You got a side poodle hat? Yeah, because I used to play in Amarillo. Okay. I played in uh Amarillo at the Dilla Villa. You should tell Craig about that. Craig loves random mascots. Oh, I'm sure Craig He's already knows because he finds those. Especially because mascots. now it's Ivan Melendez. I'm sure he knows. Do all they about still that. call him the Hispanic Titanic up there? El Ray. They still playing El Ray for him when he comes up to the plate. They gotta yeah. keep that name, man. That's yeah. a fantastic nickname. You cannot lose the Hispanic Titanic. Yeah. It's amazing. I just like saying it. No, yeah, I know. That's right. <laughs> 
It's great. Uh, all right, so uh, there you go. A little uh, Major League, ba- well, Texas slash Major League Baseball mm-hmm. uh, update there. So congrats to the guys who were getting drafted. Um, real quick, Texas basketball, gentlemen. They Texas basketball got some good news as well. Uh, Coach Rodney Terry, the man is working hard. Come Can't on, say man. the man ain't grinding. Uh, the roster is full now. Slots taken. Done. Seats yep. taken. Yep. Um, Texas basketball got another commitment from Devin Pryor. Um, he is a two-way wing, uh, small forward, six seven, round one eighty. Chose Texas. Was originally actually committed to LSU. Uh, actually, that was on June seventeenth. Mm-hmm. Decommitted from them, and Texas offered him June twenty eighth. It did not take long for this thing to materialize. Chose Texas over Texas A and M, Penn State, Colorado, TCU, uh, and Virginia Tech. And yeah. uh, he, he was actually offered as a member of the 2024 class, and then he reclassified. Texas was actually wasn't aware that he was going to reclassify, reclassified, and then became a member of the 2023 class as well. He's actually an H-Town kid, I believe. Yeah, um, he is. H-Town kid, yeah. yeah. Uh, dad from Shreveport. My mama actually lives right outside Shreveport. So uh, he's got he's got some some boing-oings. Oh, yeah. He's he, he bouncy. Yeah, he he's is, He's bouncy. He's twitchy and bouncy. Uh, got a lot of quickness, uh, verticality, agility. So he's going to be a part of that, that 2023 class. So it looks like Ronnie Terry filled it up pretty damn quick. Yeah. Didn't yeah. take long. Yeah, a lot of people questioning Coach Terry. I remember the Specs text line being lit up. This guy, I don't know why Texas did that. They shouldn't have gone. They could have got went out and got anybody. Why would they not? No, come on, dog. Come on. That's why. That man can recruit, and he's letting you know that. You panic too quick. Just let it, everything play out. He's gone out there, got a lot of players that returned, and, mm-hmm. and that's a big gift for him. And, again, uh, the players that decided that they weren't going to come to the University of Texas, it's not like they weren't going. They were going to another school. Yeah, they they didn't want to play school. They're going to the NBA, to the G leagues to get paid mm-hmm. and to be a part of something, so they don't have to do that. And all they have to do is work on basketball. When you have those abilities, do it. If you have that type of talent and you're offered this, and you truly don't want to go to school, regardless of all the glitz and the glamour, Mm -hmm. if you got a chance to go make money and play in a league to where they already know that the the rule is dumb for the one-and-dones, that's a dumb rule. If they can go and get money, let them go get the money. If they can get drafted, if a team wants to take a chance on a player and draft them, Mm -hmm. let them do it. Well, and I think the bigger thing to take away from Ron Holland going forward is that they scouted extremely well in this department. Yes, they did. That they scouted a guy that was not ranked at that level and has climbed in everybody else's ranking. So I think if you look at it in that sense and you go, okay, well, this this organization has a has a better knack for scouting. And so mm-hmm. maybe some of these guys are looking at that are three stars or four stars. They may see them as something bigger in the future, and they're seeing the same thing they saw in Ron Holland that is now a – a, a, a consensus top three pick in the NBA draft next year. So those, I, I think that that's something positive you can take out of it is it sucks to lose a player, but if you realize your scouting is mm-hmm. is ahead of the game, yeah, that's a good thing. That's a great thing, actually. Uh, I'll ask you, Patrick, do you think the ceiling of this team is higher than last year's or as high as last year's? Uh, I think it's, so I would the, say the ceiling is I think it's as high because you're basically last year was you could play for a national championship. That was the ceiling. It was kind of the ceiling. So yeah. it's not where you expect. I think the expectations may be a little bit lower. I think the ceiling is about the same. The expectations may be a little bit lower because you don't have as, the, the guys that you play together. Yes, and, yeah, you don't have yeah, a, the same cohesiveness enough. Yeah. We haven't seen what Max A. Smith does against better competition. But, you know, I think the ceiling, we can say, before we see any games played, is still this is a team that could compete 
at that high level. And he's a bucket. I think Max Aceman no, is, is a bucket. He is a bucket. And that's yeah. the question is, can he stay on the court? Can he play? Can he not get in foul trouble? Can he do just yeah. small things that yeah. you don't necessarily think of but become major problems when you step up in a division of play? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's uh, it filled up quick. I just think Longhorn fans were a little uncomfortable with the, the new kind of wave of roster construction in the portal NIL era. It's going to be like this often where – you know, you're just going to have a ton of turnover, and you're going to build it back up and reconstruct it every offseason. And you can mm-hmm. afford to do that when you're Texas. Now, it won't happen like that every year, but most right, of the right. time, you'll you'll see some uh, some of those uh, instances in the portal era. Okay, well, enough Texas basketball conversation. We come back because we're uh, late for the break. We'll come back. We'll get into Texas football. Xavier Worthy getting a lot of love. Someone like that's a report that he has never looked this good. This is the best he's ever looked. Oh, no uh, hyperbole, is it? X gonna give it to you. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about that on the other side. Also, I'll tell you about my favorite uh, defensive back going into this season. I guess my so we'll talk about my the, the best wide out for the Longhorns and who I think is their best DB going into this upcoming mm-hmm. season. All that more right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful another one. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back. Ball don't lie, right here on one hundred four nine The Horn. Um, okay. Let's get to some Texas football discussion here, gentlemen, because uh, I saw this story. Shout out to, I believe Ann Ward Richardson is the one that had the initial report about uh, Xavier Worthy, or at least um, I got it from Hook'em uh, Hook Headlines, but they got it from Ann Ward Richardson. And turns out he's, based on the sources that he's talked to, Ann Ward knows his stuff, he's saying that his sources are telling him that Xavier Worthy is having, or at least looks like he's having the best, or on the verge of having the best offseason that he's had since he's been with the Longhorns, and that he basically could be a record-breaking season for Xavier Worthy. Uh, it says, definitely the best version of him that we've seen since he's been here. Um, and that same source told Anwar that uh, Worthy will break records this fall if he and redshirt sophomore uh, quarterback Quinn Ewers can stay healthy. Okay, does this go back to the conversation that we were having before when Josh Pate was talking about Worthy and the Heisman Trophy uh, odds? Well, it uh, he it kind of it kind of goes to that if he's going to break records. Yeah, he's going to break records. Yeah, Xavier Worthy this year. Yeah, Yeah. it kind of goes to that. I mean, maybe he's hearing the same thing. Okay, he's got sources. Maybe he's hearing uh, the same thing. And I put it to that point. If we're just gonna uh, talk about that uh, that Josh Pate article, remember. And this is from a couple of, not a couple of weeks ago. This was from like last week. Um, yeah, it's actually from the fourth. Mm-hmm. So this was July fourth, actually, when this was tweeted out. <clears throat> Bet MGM 
when they uh, put out their their Heisman favorites, they had Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, the LSU quarterback, and Quinn Ewers as their three Heisman favorites. Caleb Williams plus 500, Jaden Daniels plus 900, Quinn Ewers plus 1,000. But when you look at highest handle percentage, which is the amount wagered by betters, uh, Xavier Worthy had the second highest handle percentage bet mm-hmm. on Heisman favorites at BetMGM. Quinn Ewers had the most at 15%, and Xavier Worthy was at 12.3%. So a lot of people are high on Xavier Worthy having a really good year this year, and I am too. I do think there are so many weapons that the Longhorns have offensively, especially in the passing game, whether they be Xavier Worthy, JT Sanders, another one of those guys, of course. Uh, you're talking about Jay Witt, who is another great weapon that they can throw to, and you know they just brought in A.D. Mitchell. So mm-hmm. it's, it's basically it's a mathematical equation the defense cannot solve because they can't double X-Man, double JT Sanders, um, and double the rest of the guys, right? They're just going to be at a numerical disadvantage. So they got to pick and choose who they're going to double and who they're going to roll coverage to, to and on what given plays. And Xavier Worthy is going to get a lot of attention. The good thing is Sark knows how to hide and scheme Xavier Worthy open. He's done a really good job of that. Problem was last year you just had, I mean, a, a regression that we no one expected. I mean, that's just – and he was still pretty productive. Uh, among all the receivers who are returning – um, I believe he has the most touchdowns and receiving yards among the returning receivers in the last two years, among the returning receivers. So he's really productive. But last season, of the 30 most targeted FBS wide receivers, he had the third lowest completion percentage when targeted, 53%. Uh, he had the lowest receiving yards of that group, third lowest yards per target of that group, and the fewest receiving yards per game of that group. And this was because he was taking on two roles. The reason he will be more productive this year is not necessarily because he's having a great offseason. That's great. That's what, that, that will contribute to it. But the biggest reason is because he won't be typecast into being the deep threat and being the featured wide receiver. Right. Because in Sark's offense, it really hurt. You can't be both. He needs a deep threat because we know he's obsessed. Give me that deep ball, baby. I need that deep ball, baby. He's going to get that deep ball. He's going to throw that deep ball. He's already told you, I'm throwing the deep ball, and we're going to throw it. I don't complete. care who knows. I don't care who knows. You know what? Exactly. If we don't complete it, I'm going to keep throwing that damn deep ball. He's yeah. going to do it. He's stubborn about it. We get it. It's a it's a, a featured uh, concept within his offense. But last year when, when they lost Isaiah Nayor, a guy who, by the way, had 12 touchdowns before coming to Texas in a season. So mm-hmm. he's pretty productive. He was going to be the deep threat. They lost that deep threat, and then they tried to put Xavier Worthy in that role to be the deep threat and also be the featured wide receiver, and it just led to regression. He became typecast, and really, he doesn't need to be in that role as just the deep threat. And how often did they throw it to Xavier Worthy deep, and he was double-covered, or the safety was rolling over there. It made him easier to defend because he was typecast. Right. Right? What happens when somebody's typecast? You know exactly what type of character they're going to play. Yeah. Right? You know what type of character Jason Statham is going to play. You know who The Rock is going to be in the movie. Right? right? Everybody knows these characters are typecast. And sometimes that typecast, it will lead you to being essentially – as a as a talent, all right, it'll lead you to being something where you are not allowed to expand your skill set and explore your skill set. And Xavier Worthy needs to be featured in different ways. Sometimes that can be as a as a deep shot guy, but not necessarily that to be his his, his, spo- his sole specific role. And, it, and and they tried to feature him a lot last year too, but he was trying to 
play two parts within the offense. Right. And I think that that really hurt him. This year, he won't have to do that. A.D. Mitchell can be the deep threat. Jonte Cook can be the deep threat. Isaiah Nayor can be the deep threat. you got a lot of different guys that can play the role of being the deep threat now. you got more options. And he can just be the featured wide receiver. Yeah. And that's why I think that's the biggest part. Schematically, conceptually, why he'll be a lot more productive this year and why you had the regression last year. Um, okay, let's talk about Jade Barron real quick. I found a stat about Jade Barron that was – it it really did surprise me. So I went deep diving down the rabbit hole. He he's my favorite DB for the Texas Longhorns right Thank now. Thank you, Rod. Thank you, Rod. He's my favorite DB. And I know Jalen Catalan's coming. I haven't watched Jalen Catalan as a Longhorn DB, so I won't include him just yet. But I, he is a star, mm-hmm. uh, and that guy's gonna play on Sundays. But right now, my favorite DB is Jaday Barron. Now, now like, I'll give me some stats about Jaday Barron, which are just freakish. So. I don't think people realize he had 11 and a half tackles for loss last year. 11 and a half. 11 and a half tackles for loss. He led the team in tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. I went back to try to find the last time a defensive back led the team in tackles for loss. And I got to tell you, I didn't find any. It's really tough. It re- I, 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 re- I went and looked at back as far as I could go. I could not find one. Mm-hmm. I think he may be the first DB to ever lead Texas in tackles for loss, ever. Now, I can't – sometimes the records at Texas, they don't let me go as far back as I would like. Like, once you get back past, like, 1960, all right, once you go before 1960, yeah. things get weird, yeah. all right, things get strange. Numbers are kind of screwed. Yeah, they're inconsistent. Yeah. But based on my research, as basically as – Far back as I was allowed to research, he's the first DB to ever lead Texas in tackles for loss. Now, 11 and a half tackles for loss. How many DBs have been able to get 11 and a half tackles for loss, period? Now, he led the team, but how many have been able to get 11 and a half tackles for loss in a season? I went back and looked because I went rabbit holing. I knew you would. So I found five DBs at Texas that have been able to get it, you know, uh, double-digit tackles for loss. I, I went to double digits. I stopped looking for 11 and a half. I went to double digits. This is why Huff Daddy, Michael Huff, is a beast. You know? mm-hmm. And he's a legend. Legendary lifetime longhorn Michael Huff. He did it twice. He had double-digit tackles for loss as a DB twice. He did it in 02 and in 05. That's crazy. Mm. Um, Ricky Churchman. Member of DBU in 1978 did it. He had 11 and a half tackles for loss. That's as early back as I could go. So basically, the last time a Texas DB had 11 and a half tackles for loss, at least 11 and a half tackles for loss that I found, Ricky Churchman, 1978. So we're talking about 45 years. So he's had the most tackles for loss for a DB in 45 years. And he's the first DB that I can remember that's led the team in tackles for loss. But he didn't make all Big 12. Yeah, but this is a Texas thing. So I no, get but that. I'm saying, but you, it's a Texas the, thing. The stats that you just gave, though, for uh, what he's done, yeah, that warrants it. Yeah, it is. But it's, like I said, that's all about Texas stats. So I, I, but I agree with you. He should, I think he should be tackles for loss, being able to make big yeah. plays. I think he'll end up being a first team all Big 12 player. Um, but yeah, he did have a great season 11 and a half tackles for loss, one sack, two interceptions. Three PBUs. He had a fumble recovery to return for a touchdown. Had an interception return for a touchdown. Just a playmaker. 78 total tackles. He was fourth on the team in tackles. I believe he has the potential to be a first-team All-Big 12 defender next year. Um, But he's the fifth. I found five DBs with double-digit tackles for loss in Texas football history, and it's been done six times. 
So he was the fifth DB to do it, and it was his sixth time. And he's the first one to lead the team in my in, for my uh, research in tackles for loss. And he's the first DB with at least 11 and a half tackles for loss since 1978, mm. since before Rod B was Bowen, long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and what I think contributes to it for him is, and I've talked about this before, about players being, you know, football investigators, right? You got to be a football investigator. Uh, post, you know, the, your pre-snap read also is going to give you clues and hints, right? It's going to give you different clues and hints. The down, the distance, the formation, the personnel package, the field position, your player matchups, all your film study. Then you're looking at your situational tendencies, the play calling tendencies, the trends. You got about, I don't know. And Harris does this in baseball. You got about, I don't know, 15 seconds maybe to, to gather all those clues and analyze them real time and try to come up with some type of conclusion that will narrow down mm-hmm. the ways a, a, a pitcher <laughs> or the ways a defense will try to attack you and how they're going to try to, oh, sorry, an offense will try to exploit you and how they're going to attack you. And I think out of all, based on the film that I've watched, out of all the players in the Texas secondary, the best football investigator in the secondary is Jaday Barron. He's the best football investigator. He's like he's like Monk. All right. Um, <laughs> he's great. He's really is. He's, he's got. Right. He, 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 you can tell that he watches a lot of film, and more so than watching the film, because like I said his pre snap uh, pre snap reads and diagnosis are really good. Analyzing all the clues, and then you should be able like to like say narrow down the concepts and the schemes. And, and how they're going to attri- try to attack and exploit you. And once you narrow that down to maybe, I don't know, three, four different options, whatever it may be, you have to then rely on your film study, all right, that gives you all of the kind of hints, the trends and the patterns that they, when they, and third and six, they, when they line up in this formation, then they have a tendency to do this. Or the, the, pat, the trends say that they're 70, 80% of the time they're going to run this route combination when they're in twins to the, to the boundary when it's third and medium. All right? And you're, right. right now you're, you're real-time calculating all of those different odds and all those different clues. And the one thing, and I used to do this too, but the reason I wasn't as good as Jaday Barron is because I did not have the confidence to always believe it. Once I diagnosed and was able to solve the case, all right, almost pre-snap, mm-hmm. once I figured out that that's about an 85% chance they're going to run a double slant here because it's, it's twins into the boundary, it's third and medium, and when I watch film, when it's third and medium, twins to the boundary, they, they third and medium, they run double slant 90% of the time. And I played with a guy, Nathan Basher, who believed it every time. <laughs> every time. Because there's always a 10% chance you're wrong. Right, right, right. You're like, man, what if I'm wrong? If I'm wrong, they go to the house or, you know, it could be a touchdown. Can't miss that one. And, and then you're like, man, then I, is it worth the risk? And for some guys, it's not. For me, it wasn't. I would always play the upfield shoulder and I would even get the satisfaction of knowing, okay, I did diagnose it correctly, but I didn't take the ultimate risk to go pick it off and take it to the house. But honestly, as a DB coach, I'll tell all of my young DBs, take the risk. Mm-hmm. Because every DB is going to get beat. Every one of them gets yeah. beat. The great ones, they make more plays than they give up. And so don't worry about getting beat. I almost play with a fear-based mindset of, all right, I can't give up that play. Instead of going to make that play. If you diagnose all the clues and the hints and you know exactly how they're trying to attack you and what they're trying to do to exploit you, don't play with a fear-based mindset. 
where you're trying not to give up the play. I'm trying. I'm playing to to stop things from happening. No, no, no. Go play to make things happen. Yeah. Don't be playing to stop the, uh, the the offense from getting a first down or to prevent the offense from getting a first down or prevent the catch. No, no, no. Go make the play. You go make the catch. Go make the play. That's my Nathan, my nasty Nate had that in in eight. I mean, uh, nope, no pun intended. <laughs> I was like, hmm. <laughs> he was, but he, he that's why he, he's the all time leader in interceptions at Texas. He didn't think twice once the once the film study was confirmed in in his mind. I'm gone. Oh. I'm gone. I'm going to make that damn play. It's my ball. I'm making the play. Y'all, y'all had a lot of fun like that. He did. He did. But yeah. I, like I said, I, I know myself as a player. I didn't play like that. I played like some more like, no, nah, no, nah, I ain't giving up <laughs> yeah. the big play. And I, Jade Barron, he reminds me of those guys who believes his film study. He believes the, the pre-snap diagnosis. And that's why he jumps those wide receiver screens so quickly. That's why he's got those tackles flops because they really, most of them, they can't believe that he's there so fast. Next year, they will run wide receiver screen and go. They will run hitch and go. They will run slant and go. You got to double move this kid just to try to make him a little less fearless. To mm. Try to plant the seed of doubt in his mind because he has no doubt. He doesn't play with it. And that's what I love about his game. He is a great football investigator, but he plays with no fear. And I would say body language doesn't whisper, it screams. And he, he's great at reading body language, too, of receivers. And I think a lot of that is, like I say, I think it's natural. Right. For him. So, there you go. That's my Jade Barron piece. Love love piece real quick. Yeah, I got a, I got a <laughs> chance to meet Jade Barron at a basketball game one time, at a kid's basketball game. And I was looking at him, I'm like, bro. You are a playmaker. He's, he's, he's he said, that's all I can do. He's a baller, man. And let's not forget, we flipped him at the last second. Texas flipped him at the last second. Don't forget, he was supposed to be a Baylor Bear. Mad rule recruit. Yeah. No, and when they made the coaching change, mm-hmm. he decided, you know what? I'm going to go to Texas. I'm going to stay here. And I'm so thankful that he did decide to come to the University of Texas. Yeah, I think he may be the most instinctual, instinctive DB in that backfield right now. All right, we come back. We got to talk about the details from the Alabama baseball Baseball coach. Scandal? Remember, earlier in the summer, a coach got fired for the head baseball coach from Alabama got fired because there was a wager that was placed. Well, there's details now on the wager, and it is unbelievable. Shout out to CB for getting that to us, but man, oh man, oh man. Yeah, yeah, this stuff sounds like <laughs> it sounds like some of an Onion article, like it would be fake news. It is not. It well, is I got real. some real news for you, too. <laughs> uh, Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald has now been fired. Whoa! He is gone now. Okay. Went right. from a little mistake to, uh, no, man, you gone. Okay. We're talking uh, college sports scandals exactly. on the other side. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 Come on, feet. Start moving. Got to get me there. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when Patrick the Idillionaire takes uh, songs intended to soothe the tortured soul of sports fans who may have had a tough weekend. And uh, if you had a tough weekend, man, Patrick's here to give you some upbeat jams to lift your spirits on a smooth soul monday all right harge uh, there's multiple scandals that must be addressed <laughs> yeah. here so we won't have time to, to hit all of them the the, the alabama baseball scandal yeah uh they got the the coach fired has now um there have been some new details there's definitely been, been revealed <laughs> about this story can you fill us in brother? yeah please? let me give you let me give you the backstory so no there way. was a wager that was made 
uh, in the middle of the season. It was on a college baseball game. Alabama was playing uh, number one LSU that night. Okay. And the person that went out, his name was Burt Eugene Neff Jr., walked into a Bet MGM Sportsbook at the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. And he walked in with a large amount of cash. Well, when you go in, and, and, and when I say a large amount of cash, I mean over $100,000 that he was going to place a wager. Where did he have the cash a, in? Uh, in his hand. It looked like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, he came he in cash. cash? Oh, you know, he probably had a suitcase or something like that. He walked in That's with a bag. Like, oh, wow. You have okay. to walk in with a bag. Dang. And so what ends up happening is he's going in and placed this wager of more than $100,000 on this game. And they're like, hmm, nobody ever bets on college baseball. Not only do they never bet on it, they never bet on it to that extent where you're coming in to put in that kind of money. Well, he goes out, and as he's doing this, he is basically the most arrogant better that is out there because he's texting with the coach of the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide where he's asking if this guy is going to pitch or not. When he finds out that the starting pitcher, uh, last name is Holman, who I played against his dad, uh, Luke Holman, (laughs) when they found out he was being pulled and not pitching in the game, that's when he decided, oh, this is the perfect time for me to place this bet. So he goes and places the bet, and as he's texting with the coach, he's left his phone open. And surveillance has already been tipped off because there's a guy coming in to make $100,000 on a college college baseball baseball game (laughs) that probably has never had that amount that was ever placed on it. So he is at the window with the phone communicating while betting. While betting. Wow. And so while (laughs) this is going on, they said it was the most reckless part of the entire investigation was how he thought he could just walk in there place a bet, and no one's going to be triggered by it. I don't care who you are. When you place a $100,000 bet, people are paying attention to you. Six-figure bets are, are rare in any uh, on any sport anywhere in the country, probably in the world. Right. They're so rare, you probably can flag all of them, and, you know what I mean, and nas- nationally and be able to figure out if something shady is going on with them yep. type of bets. Yeah. That's nuts. And then he finds out that the pitcher, Hagen Banks, Hadn't started a game since mid-March, and he was going to be the starting pitcher going against the number one team in the nation. So he was like, "Let me put a th- let me put a uh, hundred thousand on LSU." Bro, a hundred thousand. Yeah, you couldn't split the bets. I guess he can't because he was trying to. Or he could have brought some other people with him. Yeah, you got to bring more people. You got to bring somebody else in on the scam. Exactly, man. You can't do a solo dolo because you're already creating a, a, a buzz about you because you're coming in. And by the way. He's a, I think they said he's a youth coach. Youth baseball coach. Youth baseball coach in Ohio. No, Texas says sketchy but not illegal. No, not illegal, but if you are trying to get inside information, mm-hmm. which is against the NCAA bylaws on gambling and student athletes and betting and all that kind of stuff, then you are doing something shady. It may not be illegal, may go to jail, but you're doing something shady. I got some more stuff for you that's even more and shady. And Uncle Sam wants to have a talk with you about that cash you got. Where, where I the 100000 come from? I guarantee Uncle Sam's yeah. like, yeah. 
Yeah, I need to see. I need to know where you got that cash from. Yeah, and where where was it generated? I need to know that. Hey, yep. and I also tell you, uh, casinos not always caring about the law. <laughs> Yeah, so sometimes you better be arrested than deal with the casino. Uh, I agree with that 100%. Learn that from the movie Casino. And here's some more more information. Neff's wagers, and this is from a report by Pat Forty on SI.com, Neff's wagers were not the only suspicious bets that were placed on that Alabama-LSU game. On the same day that Neff was attempting to bet six figures in Cincinnati, some of his gambling associates were trying to place large uh, wagers at a location in the home state of Indiana. Those wagers... Yes, those wagers were also under investigation. They all got flags. This is even better. Neff's son, Andrew is a pitcher at the University of Cincinnati. Two Bearcat staffers, assistant Kyle Sprague and operations director Andy Nagel, were terminated on May 17th. The, their exact defense is not clear, clear Whoa. but two people familiar with the situation say that they were aware of Neff's gambling activity. Which they did not report, which the men did not report to the school administration. So the school launched an internal review on May the 8th and publicly acknowledged the dismissal of those two on May the 24th. And the head coach of Cincinnati, Scott uh, Coggins, resigned May 31st as well. Deep you go down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. I will say, wow. Bert Eugene Neff Jr. is a solid <laughs> parent yelling your full name name. What is his full name? Bert Eugene Neff Jr. You come down here right now. Okay. Right now. That still goes to my shady name theory. That's a shady name. Bert, was it Bert Eugene Neff? Neff. Neff Jr. Jr. Oh, that's yeah. a shady name. <laughs> there's, that's a shady. there's multiple Bert Eugene yeah. Neff. Yeah. Bert Eugene, what, Neff? Yeah. Oh, that is Bert so shady. Eugene Don't Neff. ever get your money to somebody with Bert Eugene Neff is their name. Junior. Junior. Exactly. <laughs> Even shadier. It's like Lloyd Lake and Michael Michaels, who yeah. I believe were the uh, they're the center of the Reggie Bush scandal, wasn't it? Lloyd Lake and Michael Michaels. Yeah. Like, of course, those guys are shady. Look at their names: Lloyd Lake and Michael Michaels. Somebody yeah, made them up exactly. or something. All right, there you go. We'll have another uh, uh, breakdown about another scandal in college sports. It's time no about doubt. hazing, and it looks like Pat Fitzgerald, the Northwestern head football coach, is out. We'll discuss that. and we'll, there. we'll discuss Wimby's debut in the Summer League as well, right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104 Down the Horn.